Good morning, church. Um, my name is Steve Clements, and this morning I'll be reading from Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he turned to the disciples and he found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and he prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them asleep, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and he said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. This is the word of God. moments, and, and maybe you don't, maybe it's just me, but I have the stage, so uh, I'll say, uh, those moments where you're just, you're just feeling something in your belly. Like, I didn't come to church today um, expecting uh, a lot, but because we just kind of do church often, we just kind of come. Um, and I'm not saying this for me. Of course, I come totally holy and ready to go all the time. Uh, <laughs> But the, where you just kind of come and you're just like, you're kind of blown away how God is it's just meeting you in that moment. And I felt like while we were singing, I felt this in the first service too, and I had the tension of how will I hold this space? Because I have an agenda, right? God, God gave me a word and this word is good um, and we're gonna, we're gonna give this word, but I also hold the tension in what the Holy Spirit is just doing. And I, I, wanna, be a, I wanna be a good follower of the Lord, and I want to be a good shepherd to you. Um, and so I just want to offer just a, a moment, um, because of what happened in worship prepares our heart from hearing from God's word. We move the tension that we carry in the day from our head, and our body actually becomes engaged. And when our body becomes engaged to the presence of the Holy Spirit, we're actually activated by his power. That's how it works. So some of you are feeling that. Some of you aren't, and that's okay. That's okay. But I want to offer just a moment right now. If you would just close your eyes. We're not going to do anything, so don't freak out. We're not going to do anything weird. Maybe. I don't know. Sometimes Holy Spirit's weird. Uh, but I don't have any agenda for weird. But if you just close your eyes and just, in the quiet of your heart, 
for whatever reason you came here today, would you ask God for more? More in your story, more in your heartache, more of his presence in all the places that do need care. Would you just even ask him, God, I don't even know if this is you. I don't even know where I need it. I just know I'm feeling, I'm feeling something. And I don't even know if it's okay to feel that. I'm actually feeling anger towards you. I'm actually feeling like you're far. I, I'm feeling like I've prayed and you're not answering. Can you, can you just even be honest with that right now? Can you come in this space knowing that something feels different? I came in to check a box, but I'm, I feel like there's this invitation that there's something like under the surface trying to happen. Would you just allow him to move closer to that? And in your heart right now, would you just say, all right, for the next few moments, I'm listening. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, I'm listening. God, we know that you are speaking. And I think we're all really desperate to hear. We all just want to know you more. And our finite minds have a hard time with this life. But you meet us, you love us, and you want to tend to our hearts this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So take a deep breath. We come in anxious all the time. Life is crazy. You've got jobs and kids and e-learning. And I think my kids are going back to school. I've never danced so much when I got that email. Um, and then now my son is like, I don't want to go back. You know, it's like, yeah, you sit at a computer all day and hang out and eat while you're in class. But you're going back. We just come in with a lot, right? We come in with a lot. And I think often we, we want to bypass those moments and get the word. Okay, worship, awesome. Now give me the word and let's just move on. And I just feel like, ah, let's just stop and pause and go, how are we? How are we coming into this space? We live in a world that's crazy. And it's always been crazy, by the way. It's crazy now. It's been crazy. It, just, just go back and read history around Rome. <laughs> you think this is bad. It's pretty intense. It's always been crazy. Always needing a savior. Broken, broken people. Always needing love. Always needing care. Always needing a God. But for us, in our life, we will not minimize the, what we are in. We are in brokenness. What we've been doing this past few weeks, the, the, the journey that we've taken you on, we have method to our madness. This whole plot twist series is really the idea of how to engage God's story and your story. What does that mean? I, I think the bottom line comes down to, I think, and, and Pastor Dave has shared this so much, seeing so many people who know the name of Jesus, who actually claim to be Christ followers, but are not living fully alive. Like the abundant life that God talks about in his scripture that we get so excited about. And we wear t-shirts, Jeremiah 29, 11. I have a future and a hope. We put it on plaques, calligraphied, you know? We got it everywhere, but... But the reality is for many of us, not all of us, but many of us, I would say for anyone in the room that is slightly older than I am, they get it a lot more than I do. So when you've lived a lot of years, 
you understand how much you need God. We should listen to them more. <laughs> have wisdom, humility. But we, we have this like angst within us as a pastoral staff, as, a, as an elder board, as a church. How do we begin to help these people see what it means to live fully alive? And so much of what we learn about is God's story and it's awesome, but we totally dismiss ourselves from our actual story our actual life coming into the presence of God. And so the journey we've taken you on is God's story, our story, and then the pillars of what we believe really are gonna help move you towards, based on scripture, towards living a fully alive life. And last week, Pastor Dave talked about your identity. Because your identity, from the very time you take your first breath, your identity, you are, a, you are born in the image of God, and yet you have an enemy that knows the goodness in which you bear and wants to attack it. So he was unpacking what it meant to be a, a, a child of God when you come into Christ. And I have the privilege this week of giving you that next pillar of what it means to start walking fully alive. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's, it's, not a, it's not a fun one. I think it's fun now. But when, when it was landed on me that I get to talk about grief, I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came? You will be so glad you came. Because you are going to see the most ultimate and beautiful plot twist when it comes to what grieving actually means, the power of it, and how much the enemy of your soul has wanted to keep you from it. Because if you understand the power that lies in grief and lament, you are going to understand a God that is very near and very powerful. So I am going to share a little bit about grief, but what is not grief? So we have, we're not like animal people, Sorry for all of you that are animal people. I know you want me to love your dog. I don't love your dog. <laughs> but I will pretend, because I'm nice, so I will give the two-finger pet. <laughs> okay, it's cleaning itself in front of me. It's fine, it's fine. Uh, but when you have children, they want an animal. They want something. So we're like, all right, we'll get an animal. We got a guinea pig. Now. Because I got a guinea pig and because I am a good Christian child of God, I'm like, this is God's creation. I have to take care of this. So I did everything for the guinea pig. It has the best guinea pig cage. It was like fed fresh vegetables. I was on the guinea pig newsletter. I'm not even kidding. I still get them. And I'm like, I'll tell you the story because I don't need to get it anymore. I know. It actually is sad. Chloe, our sweet guinea pig. Guinea pigs are about to live like three years, but because we took such good care of this guinea pig, seven years in, I have this guinea pig. It will never die. Like, and one day, Chloe is not feeling well, and we have to take Chloe to a vet, which is kind of hard to find because there's not a lot of vets for basically rodents. And, you know, it's my cute little, like, rat. So I take it in and we're like, it's not doing well. And it's, it's got some situations on its backside and it's a whole thing. And the vet looks at me and he goes, we have never seen a guinea pig live this long. Seven years, I've never seen this. You've done really well. And we can't tell you legally to let this 
this little one go, but the humane thing is you're going to need to let this go. And I am devastated. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't just let God, I was literally, God, let it just, let her die naturally. You know, just, I'm going to wake up in the morning and she'll peacefully go. But she hung on. Chloe, Chloe, she hung on. And one day, finally, my husband just was like, Carrie, we've got to, we've got to let this go. You know, we've got to let her go. He's like, well, you got to do it. He's like, okay. Now, my poor husband, he's so kind. He's much kinder than me. He's much more gentle than me. And I'm like, you're going to have to take him. And, 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 she, and he goes, okay. He takes it and he takes it in there. Now, I wasn't there, but I got to hear the whole story. And he ends up telling me later, I was sitting in there, Chloe's quiet until they took Chloe away. And as they're taking it away down the hallway, it goes, back to Mario. Mario goes, and she goes, do you want to say goodbye to the vet? And he goes, nope. And he just goes and gets in the car. He turns on like Journey or something. I don't know. And he just like went for it. He's crying. He comes into the house. He's sitting on the edge of the bed. He said he's just sitting there with his hands in his face. He gave me permission to tell this story. Hands in his face, sobbing. And he just goes, I got a shower. I got to get this off of me. He's in the shower. He's like, just glowing, uh, you know, crying. And I come in, I was like, how was it? He was all, I will never do that again. That was terrible, you know? And I'm like, man, you were really sad. He goes, oh, it was terrible. I think when we think of grief, it's like we, we, we relate it to like sadness. Like I'm really sad. And, and what I want to share with you guys today and the journey I want to take you on today is it's, it's not about sadness. Grieving is a much more guttural place. It goes to depths of our story. It is when we engage grieving that we actually engage lament. This place of deep need where we need tending to. In that moment, Mario just needed to cry it out. You know what I mean? And then within a few days, days, he was better. (laughs) Grief, the idea of lament, the idea of grief is not just about being sad and getting over it. It's actually the places of our heart that we'll see in scripture where we actually need a supernatural tending to. It's what we need within the depths of our story and our bodies. When we think of grief, there's so many misconceptions we have about it. If I start grieving, I'll be weak. I mean, for many of you, especially the men in in this room, and let's just say the women too, but the men in this room were told really early on as tears began to cry, what? Men don't cry. Suck it up. You got this. A world is breaking apart in front of you and somehow the narrative begins, you've just got to be tougher, stronger. But there's there's a brokenness that has happened in your spirit, in your soul. There's a disconnect between what the goodness you were made for is no longer in front of you and the reality is staring you dead in the face and no one will tend to it. In fact, they bypass it by just saying, God's got it. You'll be all right. Let's pray it off. Now, I'm all about prayer and I'm all about scripture, but the reality is is that the soul, the heart was wired for relational intimacy to where we can meet in the depths of our heart and say, even in my brokenness, will you meet me? This happened early on. Early on for all of us. 
places where hurt occurred, harm had happened to us and it was not tended to well. And our heart wanted to grieve, but because it wasn't allowed to, it shut down and moved to places of despair. You see, the problem is, is that when we are not allowed the space to lament and grieve, we actually move to places of despair. Despair can look like addiction. It can look like, it can look like ministry. I know if I can just get everyone to like me, applause for me, that will fill the deep need that I have. So we look at grief as a place of weakness, but we're gonna see what God really says about it. Another misconception is my emotions will be too much. My emotions will have too much power over me. Emotions are not important. You just gotta do the truth, go for the truth. Truth sets you free, and boy, does it, but you actually have to name the truth. (laughs) You actually have to name what's truly happening and allow God to come in and tend to what is honest and real. Your emotions won't overtake you. In the hands of God, your emotions will be tended to to the places of what you actually need, and in that space, you will see something supernatural will begin to happen. We're so afraid letting our emotions get the best of us. And so instead of engaging them in the presence of God, we stuff them and they are wreaking havoc in our lives. Misconception. The past is the past. Let it be. Let it be the past. There's a great uh, Nobel Prize winner, William Faulkner says, a famous quote, the past is not dead. In fact, It's not even past. And here's the reality. And if we could just, for two seconds, let me geek out a little bit on some science about our brains. Our brains are made so incredible. Oftentimes, or anytime, our brain that's taking current information in does not compartmentalize it. It it doesn't work that way. When it's taking information in, it actually funnels through information. The neuron pathways that God has given you funnels through memories you already have. If those memories have not been tended to, if they've not been cared for, then it's funneling through brokenness and you are stuck in the past. I would venture to say, when we allow those memories to be tended to and they get healed, we actually are no longer being in the past, grieving and God's tending actually moves us to live in the present because it heals us. But if we don't allow those spaces to be healed, if we don't allow those spaces to be tended to because that's what the human brain needs, we see this in science. We see the brain actually begin to connect back together when space is held for it, when someone enters into lament with us, when the depths of our hearts are being broken and someone looks at us and doesn't judge us, but they say, I'm just so glad you told me. Let's sit in this. We actually see the frontal cortex of our brain and the lower cortex of our brain, the limbic system, come back together where trauma disrupted us. God, in his infinite way, knew that we were wired for relationship, that he begins to wire our brain back together. What? That's so cool. Anybody else think that's cool? We were not made to be alone. We were not made for isolation. We were not made to discount and dismiss and push down the very places of our brokenness. 
it is in that that pride begins to rupture because I've got it. I'll take care of it. God, you're awesome. I got it from here. I will say this. When we are looking at grief, when we are looking at this idea and we're wanting to kind of chew on it and think of it, the point of actually engaging our past, these places of our story, it's not so that we can stay stuck there. It's actually so we can be free to become who God actually created us to be. Remember when I shared a couple weeks ago, which feels like 17 weeks ago, about Peter? If you haven't listened to that message, go back and listen to it. Go back and listen to all the messages because in context, this is, is such a beautiful picture of what God wants to do with this church and personally in your life. But in that message, I had talked about Peter denying Jesus and then there he is back to his old name, back to his old life because he's like, I'm discounted. I'm disqualified. I've messed up. I'm over. It's done for me. He even saw Jesus's resurrected body and still was like, he and I know what happened. I'll just slink away. But what did Jesus do? Jesus called him out, standing on the shore, sitting around the fire, which by the way, that's where the brokenness happened, was around the fire. That's where he denied Jesus. And back in that same moment, there's Jesus around the fire. And he's sitting there and he's beginning to invite him back into the places of love, back into his name that he had given him. And what is he doing? Because Jesus knows how brains work. He actually is changing the neurons of Peter's brain. He's actually changing that moment for what will come new to you will be filtered through that shame and that brokenness. But when you sit with me and that same memory is met with love, it changes. That's what happens. And what does Peter say in verse 17? He says, God, you keep Jesus, Lord, you ask me and I am grieved. I am grieved for I know what I have done. And what does Jesus do? Feed my sheep, Peter. For you have gone back to your old name, but I am reminding you. Because freedom is the courageous acts of remembering who you were created to be. We have to begin to name those places of harm and hurt. Grief. The all-too-fun topic of grief. You didn't sign up for this, did you? You're like give me the three-point message and let me leave with a good charge. I'm so tired of playing church. I actually want you to be free. God actually wants you to be free. And I have tried the gratitude journal. <laughs> and it, it works. But I also need a grief journal. Because the reality is I can't think my way right. I can't think my way good. I, I have to allow God to supernaturally change my heart and my brain. And so when I grieve, God allows gratitude to supernaturally rise. You don't have the power to think good enough. You just don't. You don't have the power to fix your family or fix your kids or fix your life or fix your story. You don't have that kind of power. And the reality is you've been trying to fix your story since you were little. And you've done that through survival techniques of keeping people at bay, of keeping emotions put down, of striving and people-pleasing and going. You've been trying, and to be honest with you, good effort. I mean, good effort, guys. 
But the reality is we are sitting in church Sunday after Sunday going, when is the story about me? When do I actually get to feel the, the exponential grace and goodness of God? When you get on your knees. When you understand naming the places of your brokenness is not gonna consume you into the ground. It's actually gonna elevate you into your calling. This is what he says. Join with me. Who brought their word today? Bring your Bible, friends. Bring your Bible, okay? You gotta fact check me. And don't go on Instagram. Because you know you see that little red number and you're like, who wants to say hi? <laughs> Jesus, so get in your word. All right, Matthew 26. You heard it read by Stephen so beautifully, and I just love, Stephen, that you came up and shared that. The honest places of what God has done in your story has just been stunning. <laughs> the Bible says here, and, and I'm not gonna read the whole passage of what he said, I just wanna take a, a few things. Here we have Jesus getting ready to die and die a horrific death. We know the story. We've heard it. But oftentimes, we have these misconceptions about grief, but I want you to see how Jesus models grief. I want you to see what Jesus does in the depths of this moment. And if any part of you thinks that a savior could do that, but that's not for me, may I just in the name of Jesus stop that? because it's actually keeping you from the presence of God. It's actually keeping you from his power. And Jesus shows us where he goes when his heart is grieved. Here he does, he takes a couple of, he takes the disciples and then takes two friends closer, goes into the garden and he begins. As he goes a little farther, I love that he says to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. He names what he's experiencing. He names what he's feeling. He names right where he is. There's no shame in him. There's no shame in the Prince of Peace, God of the universe, Jesus in the flesh begins to name his humanity. I am grieved to the point of death. Taking a lot, as he was taking, I love that he also says that he was sorrowful and troubled, naming it, naming it, naming it. I can't name my sin. I can't name the stuff I'm struggling with. I need to be a good Christian. I need to have more faith. Well, Jesus named his humanity. And I think if Jesus can name it, surely you should too. Going a little farther, he fell down and prayed, my father. Is it possible that this cup could pass from me? Not my will be done, but your will. As he came back to the disciples and they were sleeping, and I don't think there was condemnation around this. I just think, you know, he's just so with grief. And so oftentimes we judge people and how they meet us in their grief, and they're just human. <laughs> they're just human. I mean, they had a bunch of wine. They're probably really tired. It's because they didn't understand. But they were there. They stayed. They didn't leave the garden. He comes back and he looks at them and he says, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Names. 
why are we trying to be so strong? Why are we trying to act like we have it all together? Why are we trying to act like we don't need a savior? And the reality is, and I don't want to be like rude to anybody in the room, and maybe this is just for me, but I think that we prefer uh, explanations and we prefer dismissing to actually needing a savior and actually naming our brokenness and our untended to wounds. I think that there's a reality inside of us that it's just easier to make excuses or exceptions or push it down because the reality is we don't know what will happen when we try to let go of control and you and I both know you have no control. It's such a dichotomy, such a frustration and we're so human in it. Instead of being angry at our humanity, can we come with empathy to it? We are in need. Lament is about naming your need. It's about naming your pain, and Jesus does it beautifully. He goes again a second time and cries out. As he's leaving there, he's, he's laying there on the ground, praying to God, my Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. We know, though, Jesus, for, for some reason, and we don't know exactly what happens in the scripture, but, but I have an idea. <laughs> he needs more of God. Because he wouldn't have needed to come yet a third time. Even though he said, I'll do what you want me to do, you can tell his heart is still needing more of God. And he comes again a third time to be met with something. Now, we don't know what happened in that garden. It doesn't say what God did to him. It doesn't say what God said to him. But we have data, don't we? We have data that we can see from not only what Scripture does after Jesus goes that third time, but what it has happened in our own life. When God has met you in the most broken places of your life, when you have actually let him see it, what he has done and how he has tended has been a testimony to exactly what happened in that garden. That when Jesus, when Jesus was on the ground, can you picture it, friends? Weeping, tears of blood, crying so hard. I think it must have been muddy and messy and his face on the ground and his hands and crying out because I've been there. I have grieved to the point where I have been so, so desperate. And as he's crying out and he's calling out to his father, he goes again and again and again and he doesn't stop coming until he gets what he needs from the father. Jesus already had God in him and needed more. So do you. And as God is down, Jesus is down, something happens in that moment. As he's weeping and he's crying, God in all of his supernatural love and care begins to tend to the places of grief. And as he is down, something begins to happen in Jesus. And he begins to rise. You see, God has said, I have set before you a race to run to go, to live abundance, but you want to skip low so that you can be exalted? Jesus didn't do it and neither can you. Until we are here, we cannot go here. Until we understand that God meets us here, we cannot elevate here. You think that grieving is going to keep you stuck? 
The lack of grieving is what keeps you stuck and you start to elevate within your own power. Grief. The five letter word. We don't want to stay. We want to stay away. You see, God is not asking you to toughen up. He is actually asking you to open up. And I think for the longest time, church has preached grieving as like a good Friday. And we want to rush to Sunday. We want to sit in the resurrection. And I am so thankful for the resurrection. Without the resurrection, I would not be here today. But if I want to be like Christ, if I want to walk like Christ, if I want to understand what it means to become more like Christ, I better start lamenting Friday, hang out on Saturday, so that resurrection Sunday can be an actual transformation of my life. We have to start understanding there's no easy fixes. We don't bypass. We are called as children of God, adopted into salvation, but we are on a journey for God to tend to our hearts. Why? Because God is not interested in you just doing stuff for him. He actually wants a relationship with you. So when you are broken, I think about my children. When I am the closest to them, And when they want to snuggle the most is when they are sick and their heart is broken. They're busy doing all kinds of stuff, but man, when they get sick or their heart is broken, all the mamas are shaking their head in the room, they come right up against you. And you put your arm around them and we just tend, giving them nutrients and care and love, putting our hand on their brow, letting them know you're safe here. I have you. And that trust relationship begins to grow. So what do we see as Jesus modeled? I'm going to give you, how do we begin to godly grieve? Because not grieving is actually moving you to despair. So how do we begin to engage lament in the presence of God to allow us to move towards victory? One, you have to get honest. Jesus named it. Jesus, gosh, I hope that sinks in. I've said it 700 times and did a pantomime. (laughs) Jesus named his need. He named his humanity. We have to get honest. There has to be an invitation of God. I am not interested in you just being very aware of your problems. I'm not interested in you just being aware of your brokenness. I think it's the first step. But you stop there, you are letting yourself try to be the savior of your story. We need to invite God into that. I was raised that you pray, God, take it. Just take it. And I don't know if that's terrible, but I don't know what kind of relationship that is. Because I think that God wants to enter in. I think when we see in scripture, God wasn't like, hey, you got to come to me. No, it was like, I'm coming to you. I'm sending my son to you. I'm invading your story. God, King, Jesus, who sat on the throne, took a lowly position, despised the shame, and went to the cross. It was all about, I'm pursuing you. I'm coming after you. Just invite me in. Grief allows for invitation. Thirdly, grief is done with others. You don't get a grief on your own. Well, you can. You're not doing well. 
We were created for community. I know, I've been doing this 26 years. I sit with people all the time. How many people have told me, I'm on my own. I'm abandoned, I'm rejected, I have no one. Some of that's very storied for them. But we are called, just like in the garden, if God was never alone and it wasn't good for Adam, it is not good for you. We are wired for relationship. And although these rows are great and you've got some great preaching, <laughs> this, is not, this is not the space that you're actually going to move in good care and begin to allow the Holy Spirit to truly begin to transform. You see, that happens knee to knee saying me too. I hear you. I'm so glad you told me. I don't know how to fix you, but I know the Holy Spirit is here and we're gonna hold this space for you. That's what he asked of his disciples. Will you hold this space for me? And they were human. They fell asleep. They didn't do it right. We won't get it right. But if we stay, something can begin to happen that is supernatural. Now, the last one here is that we wait. We want to rush grief. We want to rush that place of lament. We want to get past it, get over it. Like, you know, I've heard so many times, like, she, you know, I've just been upset for so long. I just need to get over it. Oh, crushes me. Because in the bypassing of that moment, you're actually cutting off the supernatural exchange God wants to do. You see, God tells you when it's done. That's why Jesus came three times. He came and he came and he came until he got what he needed from the Father to be able to do the unthinkable. And he came in his brokenness and he came in his hurt. Now he was without sin, but he experienced the body, the brokenness of the body, the pain of the body. I can go numerous stories. Lazarus, he wept. Jesus, as he's healing people, drops to the floor. Matthew 10, gathers his disciples around and says, I am so grieved because there's so many people that need healing and there's so few laborers. The Bible in Isaiah says that this is a God full of sorrow. God invites Moses into God's grief. You heard when we talked about Saul. God said to Samuel, join me in my grief. I am grieved over Saul. He knew the answer. He, Jesus knew he was going to rise again. He knew Lazarus was going to come from the dead. He knew Saul was going to mess up. So why? Because he's trying to tell you that in grief, we come together, that it's relational, and we begin to heal. We just got taught this. We're just taught, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Have more faith. Think yourself right. Read more scripture. You'll be fine. Church, can we begin to be a place where we say, I surely don't know how to fix you. But I know a God who wants to love you. And somehow, and I don't know how he does it, guys, I don't know. I mean, I, I've searched the science books. But when our hearts are tended to by each other and by an all-powerful God, the neurons in our brain change. They heal. Here's what they do. They come back to Eden. You see, shalom begins to be restored. This is what grief does. So what is the plot twist? The plot twist is that God is saying the very places of grief that you have been running from, 
which I believe, if I could speak boldly, that there is an enemy. And I don't mean like the, you know, that we're thinking of with like red, you know, pitchfork and red horns. I'm talking about an enemy who is insidious and hell-bent on assaulting your story, your particular areas of your story. And it's generational, friends. You bear and carry the generations of assault and attack. And he does not want you to know the authority that you carry. And he does not want you to grieve because he knows that when you lament about the state of our world and about the state of your life, that draws you like a sick child to his father or mother and you receive good care. And when good care comes in, you begin to rise. And what was gonna take you out is now moving you towards running the race that has been set before you. The particularities of the very places you don't want to grieve is the very places in the particularity of your calling because a holy discontent begins to rise up. When I saw my mom in her brokenness be lied to and lied to and lied to and then her life be taken by her own hands, holy discontent began to rise as God ministered to my grieving heart. So no one can tell me. That grief in the hands of God does not produce power. Grief in the hands of God untethers you from your places of harm and woundedness. If the truth sets us free, like it says in John 8, 32, then we actually have to start naming the truth so that the truth can come in. What has happened? What am I feeling? Well, that's not true. It is true for you. And you need God to come in and tend supernaturally. Truth sets free. We have to start getting honest. God also says in Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, which means in order to be blessed, you have to mourn. And there's a promise attached that when you mourn, you will be comforted. Something begins to happen in grief. The plot twist is that we're untethered. We are comforted. We are blessed. We actually begin to see God's promises in his fulfillment where he says, I take the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. How can we ever start to live in the promises of God if we don't actually allow him to do what he says with our heart? So God is saying, I want you to actually see my promise. You want to live an abundant life? Then you need to come to me. You need to come and lament about the state of your heart, not for condemnation, not to isolate you. That's actually what you're living in now. But when you come with grief and you come with honesty, God begins to tend to your heart. And I'm telling you, supernatural hope begins to rise. Something that you cannot manufacture. You can't get enough hope. You can't manufacture enough faith. You can't. I know you've tried, but you can't. Where do I begin, Carrie? How do I start? Which is just our way of trying to control it, right? (laughs) See, God is so good that if you ask him, even in this moment, God, where are the places that I have kept boxed up? The stuff that I've even decorated the box in my own heart. Even just speaking right now to the young men and women in this room, under the age of 18. I just want you to hear me right now. 
that God loves you right where you are. And there are things that have happened, honey, in your life that are hard and they're difficult and you don't know how to make sense of it. And it feels like everything is falling apart. I want to let you know right now to the young people in the room, there is a God who loves you and sees you and you can take your anger to him and you can take your frustration to him. You can even yell with him, but don't stop coming to him. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you have to pretend to be something different. You are allowed to name the stuff that you are experiencing. You are allowed to name the hurt. You are allowed to be just like Jesus and say, I need more God. And just keep coming in honesty. And he will tend to those very open wounds. And I speak to the young people in the room I'm not speaking to the young people in the room. I'm speaking to the young places of your heart right now that have been carrying the shame, that have been carrying the grief, but you have been trying like a good soldier to just keep going. And I'm telling you right now, you don't gotta be so strong to be in the Lord's army. What you get to do is come on your knees and go, I can't do this. Is it okay that I can't do this? says, yes, son. Yes. What I did for my son in the garden, I will do for you. How do we know? Because I'm telling you, this is my story. This is my story in the hands of God. That grief did not take me out. Grief changed my life to allow a God that tends to me. And when I feel broken, I know where I can go. And I won't let anyone tell me different. I can come. And so we're gonna do something right now in this moment. I'm just gonna ask that you bow your head and close your eyes. We just have a few more minutes together. I just wanna honor this space because it's unfair for me to preach at you. This is not my, um, gosh, may it not be my words. Whatever is not of me, God, would you just erase that from their mind? Whatever is from you in the name of Jesus, would you have them move that past their head and into the depths of their heart? Would you allow them to become integrated, body, soul, and spirit? Allow their heart to say, I have this place. God, would you reveal that right now? I'm just gonna ask that you say a simple prayer inside your heart. This prayer is, will you show me? Show me the vision, show me the memory, show me the story, show me the word that I have been bound to. Even if you go, oh, it's silly, that's a dumb story, that's, it's a blip, it's not a big deal, stop. If God is revealing, he wants to tend. And if God is opening up the door right now to tend to your heart, will you receive it? Just for a moment as I'm quiet here, come back and offer another question, but in this moment, ask God, show me, what am I keeping? Where do you want to go? What's the invitation? Pray in this space. 
you've named what it is that you need tending to, the next step is just to say, Jesus, will you come in and tend? You're allowed to say more. You're allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to be hurt. You're allowed to feel with God. See what he does. Is he giving you a vision? Is he giving you a word? Right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would hear the voice of the Father speaking to that place. Right now. It should sound kind. It should sound good. It should sound grace-filled. In this place. Is there anything, God, that you want to do in this space? We just ask, God, that you would move in your presence right now. Yes, God, I pray right now, God, for those that feel like religion has actually been the place that feels safe and invite them in, God, that you are here, they are safe, there's no boxes that you are in, but your word is grounding us. Would you just bring grounding to their feet right now, God? Let them know that this place is safe, that your heart is working, that your, your word is, is, is going through to the marrow of their bones. You're wanting more for them. I just wanna pray specifically for those in the room right now. I just feel led to pray for those that have been in war. Feel very led to pray right now for those that have been in war who have had to, in order to survive, they had to shut off parts of their bodies, parts of their hearts to be able to make it through. And God, would you just invite care to those places? Yes, God, let your spirit come into this place, Lord. Would you invite care to those places? No shame. You did well. You did well, son. You did well, daughter. You can come back and allow those places to be tended to. You do not need to be afraid. God, would you just meet in those places right now? Yes, God, and I just want to pray for marriage. Either our marriage or several marriages in this room. Felt this in the first service and feeling it here, that there's a lot of tension. I even named the word hatred. And so, Lord, I'm just going to pray right now against the place that the hatred is not the story, that the deep longing for connection, but feeling like there's a chasm. Would you just help God even right now as you speak to their hearts, there is a way back together. There is a way back into restoration. There is a way back into reconciliation. The enemy of your heart, the enemy of your soul has attacked the places of your heart attack the places of your story that has kept distance, but God actually wants to renew and restore. There is a way. You cannot do it yourself, and the path that you are going is not going to bring about what your heart actually needs. The affair, the pornography, the addiction, it is not going to bring about the comfort that you need, but you can come to the Father in honesty so that he can begin to tend to the deeper places grieve what the enemy has done, but bring that lament before the Lord so it can be a sweet aroma of an oil anointing your life, bringing about growth and goodness. Yes, God, we need a savior. Come Holy Spirit.
Come more, God. Let your spirit fall on the individual lives and on the Hope Collective. Let this be a place where anyone that comes knows that they can come. They will be met with loving kindness. As Jeremiah said in Lamentations, as he was broken and so sad, he said, your mercies in the midst of all this pain will be new every morning. And I will hold to the hope of the Lord. We are allowed to hold hurt and hope, grief and gratitude, fear and faith. And we take it before you and you start to do the most miraculous exchange. The greatest plot twist we've ever seen. What was meant for evil is now in the hands of God, meant for good. Meet us in this space as we just allow a few more minutes. If there's anyone that needs specific prayer, I just feel led right now that you can come to the cross and one of our pastors will pray for you. I feel like there's some of you that actually are having a hard time praying and getting to that place where you really need God to open up and you need someone to pray with you. If you need that, with all head bowed and all eyes closed, you can go ahead and head over there. We're gonna have a couple of our pastors up over here that will come and pray for you. And if there's any of you that are sitting in this room right now and you just don't wanna get up but you know you need prayer, would you raise your hand where you're seated and I'm gonna pray for you. I see you all over the room, all over the room. Okay, I'm gonna pray specifically for your hearts. Yes, I see you. I see you in the front. I see you in the back. God, I just wanna pray right now in this moment. Let this be a holy and sacred space. Let this be a place where you just move in your presence, God. That you would bring healing into this place, God. That you would rise up a kingship and an authority in the power of your spirit, God. I just pray that you would break chains right now in this room, God. That stories that felt bound now are walking in freedom, God. I just pray, Lord, as your spirit moves around the room, God, I just pray for actually more of your presence. Yes, God, I just pray that the story of, of silencing would ignite a new voice, a new way to see, a new way to look, God that you would be able to move God deeper into the hearts of these men and women. If you need prayer, keep your hand up. God, I just pray right now for marriages and relationships, God, that need to rise up in the name of Jesus. I pray a supernatural bonding, God, that once was trying to be torn apart and your name will come together. God, we will not shy away from moments where you are moving. We will call God, yes, God, would you tend to the little hearts, the hearts of the men in this room who know that they have felt bound from stories from a long time ago and they are wanting more freedom. They want to walk in abundance. Would you move in this place, God? Would you move, God, and anoint men and women? I pray against depression and I pray against anxiety, God. 
the anxiety of where our hearts are moving, God. And for those in the room right now that are just struggling to know, is this for me? Am I okay? We are safe, God. We pray safety over you right now. God, we just thank you, God, that we can come into this room and pray, that we can come to your throne in honesty, that we don't have to be afraid of grief, and that we don't have to do this alone, that you are not alone, and you are not abandoned, and you are not rejected. I speak life over you. I speak goodness over your story. I speak goodness over your heart. Yes, God. I pray that you would bring renewal, God, to the heart that feels broken. I pray that you would bring life to the heart that feels far. God, would you let her know that you are pursuing her, that you brought her here for a reason right now to hear these very words, to go deep in her heart, to begin to heal. Yes, God. Move, God. Yes, God. More, Lord. Thank you, God. Yes, God. Just pray right now, God. What has kept you bound will no longer keep you bound. In the name of Jesus, you can just come, honey. You can just come in all honesty. It's okay that it feels confusing and it's okay that it feels hard. God, would you just come into this space right now? Yes, God. Oh, anointing this man, this man, kingship over this boy, God. Authority over this boy, God. What has kept him bound? God, I just pray against confusion. There is no confusion, God. You get to do your work. You get to do what you're doing. You're doing good work in Thank you, God, for this space. Anybody else? We just thank you, God, that we can come into your presence, that we can we can come. We're messy. This is, a, for some of us, we don't even know, God. We don't even know exactly what's kind of happening right now. But for many of us, if not all of us, we know that something is shifting. Something is shifting in the room. It's shifting in our hearts, God. God, I just want to pray for supernatural healing, God. I want to pray for healing right now, God, in the places that have felt bound. God, I want to pray against fear, and I want to pray against visions, God. Visions of, of just terror. Yes, God, I want to pray for that right now. God, I pray that you would bring a newness, a life, that you would, bring, that you would awaken. You are not bound, son. You are not bound. pray for healing. Pray for healing in the room. We will not shy away from calling upon you for healing. Heal the depths of our heart. Heal our mental place. Heal our physical place. Heal our spiritual place, God. You are leading this, God. You are leading this. We'll just trust you, God. So we pray for healing. If you want to heal, God, you get the glory. We know you can. You get all the glory. Just pray for this, God, right now. never want to leave the sweet presence of God. We never want to leave the sweet presence of God. So remember, even in this moment, you just get to come as you are and you don't have to be in church to do it. You can do it in your bathroom, in your shower, in your bedroom. You can do it in your car. You can just come as you are. All the mess, all the grief, 
God will meet you. His word says he will. He promises it time and time again. He, the God of the universe did it for his son and you are adopted daughters and sons of the most high God. He will treat you with the same care that he did his own son. I'm just gonna allow this space to be. We don't end with a pretty bow because it's not for me to end. It's for God to tend. So as you need to sit, sit. As you need to stay, stay. As you need to go, go. But don't forget, in this moment right now, you encountered the presence of the Holy Spirit who met you in honesty. And if you hear anything different than that, it's just not the voice of God. Love you. You are deeply loved. You are 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 loved. Let that sink down. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Thank you, God, for this time. Jesus.